Hello, Cubs fans, and welcome to a brand new edition of Cubs on Tap. I am Ron Luce. I am joined. Hashtag where's Joey? We fucking found him, ladies and gentlemen. I am joined by the cheese man for the first time in a hot motherfucking minute. And we're here talking about a cubby sweep. But before we get into everything baseball, Mr. Ricotta, how are you doing, buddy? A lot better than the other night. A lot better than the other night. And honestly, man, yeah, it's been it's been too long. It's been too long since we've been on the mic together. And I've even talked to you, like, outside of just Correct. messaging. Um, so, yeah, this is probably well needed and long overdue. But, yeah, I, I'm just glad, Ron. I am glad that this team, it's they showed me something. They showed me something the last two nights, and I couldn't be happier. So I am doing very well, my friend. How the hell are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm I'm pumped. I'm happy. I'm right there with you, though. Uh, you know, this Cubs team, after a very, very subpar road trip that ended well, a, a series win in San Francisco, but they carried that momentum into this series. And for the first time, Really all season, because the A's are the A's, and that sweep was what it was. This is the first time this Cubs team has finally just put their foot on the opponent's throat and actually finished off a series. I feel like this is the first time it's happened all season. First time it's happened in a long time, really, it feels like. This was a huge sweep, and especially because what it does to the divisional standings, man. Like... It's it is entirely flipped the NL Central on its head. The Cubs now just three and a half games back. Yeah. That's hot. That's how you make up ground in the NL Central this this, you know, at this point in the season is take advantage of situations like this where the rest of the, the division's just as fucking hot garbage as everybody else, and you beat up on the number one team. Love to see it, Scott Crawford in the comments. I know on the on the on the live stream here, it's got the little squares, folks. But I did went and I, I looked in the comments on the phone. They are the brooms. So beer bats equals brooms, which is the sweep um, mm. from our boy Mr. Scott from Iowa. But Joey, let's start with the inevitable. Let's start with the 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 man that is the my fire as a Cubs fan. The man that if they trade him, I swear I will not be on a Cubs on Tap episode the rest of the year because I will be saying too many F-bombs to just allow it at that point. Marcus Stroman dealt yet again tonight. Had a little bit of a rough inning. The the, the Buccos got to him a little bit there uh, in the middle of this start, but still six innings, another quality start. His league-leading 13th quality start. Um, six innings pitched, four hits, just the two runs, two walks, five Ks from Stroman. Ironically, because he's been so good, his ERA goes up as a result of this start tonight. Yeah, just yeah. ever so slightly. Goes from 242 to 245. Uh, still elite stuff for Marcus, man. I mean, he's just on another level right now, Joey. It's nuts, nuts, man. I mean, the dude is shelving. The dude is shelving, and uh, I think, what was it, Jordan Bastian's tweet? I had liked it. I want to just talk about you talked about the quality start stat. Um, he had another one in here too, and now I can't find it. Um, the ERA, yeah. I, what where, where, where does that rank? I mean, the ERA is up there too. Is it first in the NL or is it He's first in first in the major? NL for sure? Um, I can I can give you some uh, some MLB related numbers, but please continue though. Uh, no, yeah. Yeah, I mean, dude, it's it's just it's kind of like you ex- just expect it at this point. <laughs> like, it, it, it's it's not out of all the things that happened tonight that went really well with the bats and you know the aggressive base running and with the great defensive plays that we saw tonight. Um, don't overlook how well Stroman did. You know, I mean, that's one thing we just cannot overlook. Again, another quality start, another shut him down type of game. Even that third inning where he gave up a couple of runs, I mean, they weren't beating the ball all around the yard. There weren't a lot of hard hit balls. I think there technically weren't on any of the hits that he gave up uh, in that inning, not on the outs, but on the hits. None of those were technically hard hit balls. One of them was close to 95, but 
um, miles per hour, but it wasn't a hard hit ball. I mean, I know it's a technicality, but like he was not getting rocked. And I really liked, you know, how Tucker Barnhart, you know, maybe he wasn't the greatest at the plate uh, out of everybody tonight, but, and he's hasn't been all year, but I liked, I mean, he was stealing strikes for him. And it was so masterful to watch those first, like, I mean, just the whole start from him. But early on in the game, I mean, he was getting a lot of those strike calls that were clearly balls. Um, and he just looked nasty. He was painting. He was getting Jack Sawinski to, to swat it out of the air like a fly and still miss. I mean, guys were looking pretty foolish out there for the most part. Um, and I think kind of like we were saying the other night, and you've been saying all along, you should probably extend this man. <laughs> you probably should. Big old facts. Scott's telling me I need to up my bet. Uh, he says if Stro isn't the all-star starting pitcher, uh, to start the all-star game for the NL, he should follow up through with his bet. And maybe, maybe I will do that. And I'll, I'll tell you why, Joey, because Marcus Stroman currently ranks sixth in the majors in ERA hmm. after tonight, but he is number one in the NL. 15 starts, only one other pitcher uh, anywhere on this list right now has 15 starts at this point in the season. That's Garrett Cole. Uh, he sits at 11 right now with a 275 ERA. Two Chicago Cubs on this list as well. Mr. Justin Steele, friend of the program, still sitting comfortably in number eight in the majors with a 265 ERA, uh, which ironically is the second best ERA in the NL. So the Cubs have the Crazy. two best pitchers in the NL um, in terms of ERA. I mean, yeah, he he's just been incredible. I to me it's it's dumbfounding to think that this this team wouldn't want to keep this guy around. He's going to age gracefully. He does not rely on velocity to pitch well. He's in insane shape. He's probably one of the better athletes at the pitching position in Major League Baseball. This is a guy that you want to keep around. And Strowman's very open to taking these three year deals. Give him another three year contract. He still gets the thirty five. Sure. We've seen guys like like Scherzer and Verlander pitch well into their late 30s. Who's to say Strowman's not going to be the same way? This guy needs another contract. He needs to be a Cub. He needs to be here. He needs to keep doing the shit because, man, he looked really good tonight. And and on top of him looking good, Anthony Kay looked really good uh, tonight. Merriweather looked really good, struck out three, just gave up the one hit. Uh, and then Rucker looked really good. I mean, the bullpen just giving up two hits and no walks. I mean, that is exactly what you want. Do not let this team get any kind of momentum. They didn't allow that to happen, uh, and, and the pitching was absolutely sensational, man. It, it's it's just so nice to see. But it's also nice to see the bats doing something, right? This is this was another Dang. huge scoring game for this team. 28 total runs in this three-game series. That's fucking cool and tough, and we want all of it. Seven runs tonight, and really everybody in the lineup getting it done. Yeah, say I had a bit of a rough night, still had a walk, still got on base. Barnhart was the same way. Every Cub in tonight's game got on base in some capacity, whether it was via the walk or via hits. Three Cubs with multiple hits in this game as well. Nico Horner had a pair. Hap had three with the two ribbies. Um, and Morell, three for three with the sack fly. He also had two RBI. Two triples in this game. I think that the, I can't remember the last time I saw a Cubs game that had multiple triples in right? for them, like for the Cubs, let alone just the whole game in general. I mean, this was a fun performance from this team tonight because even though they got down early, which has happened in this series already more than once, they got down early and they, they had that one big inning to really break it open and then they continued to add. But it's so nice to see crooked numbers and that big inning to just break things open and then the rest of the pitching staff does their job and keeps it shut down, man. I mean – I think from a bats perspective, Joey, there's two guys though in this equation tonight that I really want to focus on. And the first one is Ian Happ because I'm 99.9999999% certain that Ian Happ listens to Cubs on tap. I just think the whole roster does at this point. Shout out to Justin Steele for, for putting, for putting the boys on the Cubs on tap because they listen, man. I, I sat in here on the, on this show by myself on Sunday night and just and, – and Tyler fed me the numbers in the comments saying mm -hmm. Ian has struggled the last 16 games. And what does he come out and do? Of course, it's Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, those are the two teams that Ian rakes against. But he kept up his side. Incredible series from him. Tops it off with a great night tonight. Just a home run shy of the cycle tonight as well. 
uh, and two big runs driven. And also a web gem out in the outfield from Ian Happ. Just an all-around great game from Ian. How important do you think not only tonight's game, but just the series in general was to a guy like Ian Happ turning it around and getting hot? Huge, man. Huge. This is a guy that, yeah, I mean, we talked about it on the last show that me, Juice, and Tyler did, how he's probably not ideally your three or four hitter. In a, in a, in a good lineup, he's probably not your three or four hitter. Maybe a five, a six, maybe even leadoff, depending on what the, the rest of the lineup looks like because the on-base percentage or whatever. But um it doesn't matter really where he hits in your lineup. Ian Happ has to hit, just period. He has to hit. And I think even throughout the season, you know, yeah, he won the gold glove last year, and he was much improved, and he looked really good out there in left field. But even some of the season, he hasn't been the greatest out there in left field too. So now you're seeing not only the offense get back on track, but the defense has looked I mean, looked really sharp tonight. I mean, you saw that play. That play was disgusting. I mean, I'm pretty sure people were calling him Superman for that. So, uh, it, and then the other one that carry him off the wall when he grabbed it with his bare hand. I mean, that was an excellent play. He threw it in. He actually would have had the guy at second base um, if not if if Nico would have came up with a clean there mm-hmm. at second. Which you know, not saying anything bad about Nico on that play, but. Um, yeah, the hitting man. I, I think this this is a huge series for for Hap. Um, he's definitely a linchpin to this lineup. Um, if he goes, I mean, we always say Nico, we go. Um, that's like kind of a, a, a big theme or slogan among Cubs fans too. But I think when Ian Hap is right, like there's just no winning without Ian Hap being right. And then you know you add into the equation of Belly returning. Uh, we'll talk about that, obviously, but um, he just looks much more confident. And and I, I kind of like what David Ross had to say after the game, focused at-bats. Mm-hmm. Focused at-bats and plate approaches is what this team looks like, um, looked like in this series and tonight. Um, Ian Happ is one of those guys. He just looks very focused, whether it be at the plate, whether it be in the field, um, cool to see him get a triple too. I mean, it, it's almost like he was expecting to get a double because mm-hmm. he's just used to that. And then when he started getting to, to, to second and he sees the ball kind of just sitting there in the corner, he's like, Oh, okay, we're going for it, baby. Get into that next gear, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was kind of fun to watch, but um yeah, awesome stuff all around offensively. Uh we'll we'll get to some of the other guys that you want to talk about, but um Ian Hat. You can't really say enough about him. 315 average coming to this game against the Pittsburgh Pirates, a 967 OPS. You know, obviously, like you said, he torches the Pirates. I'm pretty sure that OPS is close to a thousand, if not better, now after tonight. So <laughs> they're three and a half games back, Ron, taking care of business, sweeping these Pirates. It's it's a complete 180 after what uh you know coming into the series, how I was feeling, anyways, and maybe even after that first game. So yeah, it's cool, man. A hundred percent. And just a guy that is so critical to this lineup, right? Like we looked at it coming into the season. There were a lot of what ifs and a lot of those what ifs were based on just how this team performs, right? It's just, can these guys be the guys that they need to be in this lineup? Ian Happ, 100% was one of those guys. Nico Horner, also the same way. Even, you know, even a guy like um, like Dansby to a fault, right? It, it's it's good to see Ross finally trying to move these guys around, though, and give them different looks in the lineup. I think that's helped a lot, too. I think Hap honestly being behind a guy like Seiya Suzuki helps him. Because, yeah, Seiya had a, a, maybe a rough night at the plate tonight. But Seiya's been hot. Seiya's been probably their best hitter for the last month or, month or so of baseball. And you add on top of that, Seiya Suzuki is by far the best OBP player on this team. He's got like a 369 on base percentage, even after tonight. He's been really good. And I'm sure that helps a guy like Ian Happ get better pitches to hit, especially when you turn around and you look at the rest of the lineup now that is behind Happ when you got Swanson in the five hole, Belly coming back tonight in the six hole, and then you had Christopher Morrell all the way down in the seven hole. That's three quality bats that you have behind Hap, too. So you're kind of forced to throw at him. You can't just, like, work your way around him 
and and allow him to be on base for some of these other big sluggers to come up behind him and, and do damage. So absolutely right there with you. And, and a fun little take from uh, from Scott here. He says, Hap's leg has been upgraded to don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> he looks good. He looks healthy. I love that's, that. Yeah, that's good that's after – yeah, that's good after that that little scare, I think, uh, on Tuesday night with with Ian. But you mentioned I want to get to the to one other bat that I was really focused on tonight, and then we'll talk a little bit about Belly's return. Uh, but that's Christopher Morrell. Uh, he's he got cold there for a little bit, but you saw some of the numbers tonight on the broadcast about how how much his chase rate has gone down, and he's taking more pitches, and and when he is chasing less, his hard hit rates higher. It's just. Christopher Morrell's never going to be a 400 OBP guy because he's never going to walk enough. He's still going to strike out a decent amount. That's just Christopher Morrell. But when he's a little more disciplined at the plate, which we've seen this season, especially compared to last year, mm-hmm. he mashes and he did it again tonight. The triple, you know, just driving and runs. He's such an athlete on the base path, so fast, plays all around the yard. Obviously, he was DHing tonight, but we saw him in left yesterday. You know, we, we saw him in right quite a bit in that San Francisco series. This is a guy that needs to play every day because he is showing right now that he is meaningful to this team in that in that capacity when he is in the lineup. And I, I just want to get your thoughts on really his turnaround, right? Because he came out, he came up, he was hot, the hottest player on the planet for 12 days cooled off substantially, but it seems like he's starting to, to find that good middle ground now where he's still going to be an impactful bat in the lineup, even if he's not crushing every ball that he sees over the fence. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I didn't really have too many concerns about him, even though he was going through that little cold stretch. And the reason why is because I just think he's kind of going to be that type of player over the course of his career. He's going to have those hot stretches. He's going to have those cold stretches. And you just hope it's more hot stretches than it is cold stretches. But I also do think I I really liked what I heard tonight from Ross after the game where it's not that I liked it, but gives me a little bit more perspective. It's that behind the scenes look that we're kind of begging for the, the inside the clubhouse type of conversations and and knowledge. Ross said, you know, maybe being in the DH spot kind of bothered him a little bit. I mean, and I could totally get, I could totally see that. Right. So tonight he in Ross mentioned how he's feeling a little bit more comfortable. You could tell with the at bats. Um, I do think he did need a day or two off to get him out of the funk. Like he needed a day or two off. What I was always a little bit upset about was why is he getting multiple days off and then he plays and then he gets another day off? Like you can't do that with these kids. And so that's why I kind of like, not necessarily like, but I, I don't mind. Matt Mervis getting sent down um, throughout his little struggles, even though we've seen a little bit more flashes from him recently, but he's definitely struggled since getting called up. Um, Little different situation because Morrell has more MLB experience after last year. So that's why I think you just have to play him through it 100%. Um, Maybe you give a day here, a day there, but Miles Mastroboni should never be DHing. I won't get back into that again, Ron. I won't. I promise I'm done talking about that. Um, but uh, it was cool to hear that perspective from Dave Ross, too, because he's such an emotional, flashy, play with your heart, heart on your sleeve type of player yeah. where I could totally see that, how him he's taking that out on his at-bats, not being out on the field or just thinking about it, the game too much. When you're sitting and you're waiting to do something, it doesn't matter if it's if that's your job is to go out there and just hit, he's thinking the whole game about the next at bat. Wherein, uh, to talk about that a little bit further, like when you're pinch hitting, you don't really, yes, you're thinking about hitting the whole time probably while you're on the bench, but it's a little different situation because you don't know when you're going to come up. When you're a DH, you know exactly where your spot is in the order. You know exactly how much time you basically have until your next at bat. And you're not getting moving, though, out there on the field. Like, you need to be moving around. I think he's that type of dude throwing the ball around, running, just all the activities that comes with baseball. But maybe now getting more comfortable, he can kind of – I mean, there, there's uh, there's outlets there, right? He can go back in the tunnel. He can go back and, and swing a little bit in the clubhouse, whatever – um, in between innings, too, while they're on defense. Not necessarily saying he's doing that, 
But you can do things like that to get yourself like you're a part of the game while the game's going on, even as a DH, because sure. clearly his his defense isn't quite up to par how they want it to be, um, not yet at this stage in his career. So being a DH, well, we like Talkman in center. Madrigal's fine at third. Mm-hmm. Belly, wherever he plays, first, center, whatever, he's a really good defender. So, um, yeah, it's really cool to see him break out of this thing. And uh, the signs were there in San Francisco, like, you know, after the home run and he had to hit the other game, the signs were there. <laughs> These are the stretches we need to take advantage of, though, Ron. Like, let's go into Baltimore, and I'm hoping I see something crazy on Saturday with Morrell because it's got that feeling like this could carry a little bit longer. Hell yeah, man. Amori Paz, as uh, as Christopher Morrell says, love and peace, man. That, like you said, he's he's an emotional player. Um, but a guy that I, I think is just going to continue to develop into a really, really special guy. Let's talk a little bit about the news uh, before we uh, address some more of the comments here, uh, Joey. And that is obviously Belly is back, um, returns tonight. One game only in Iowa. That was all it took um, for the Cubs to say we've seen enough. He had a single, he had a sack fly, played first base. He comes up tonight. Mervis gets to go down and get every day at bats in AAA, which I think at this point is the right move because he has struggled at the major league level. And it's just good to see Belly back in the lineup, man. Delivers tonight with a big hit. That's a guy that that especially right now with Seiya healthy and hitting again. If if Hap can get a little hot, if Morell can continue to contribute, you still get what you've gotten all season out of guys like Horner and Swanson. Belly's the type of guy that really can kind of light a fire, I think, under this Cubs offense's ass right at the right time, in my opinion, when they need it. Lineup just looks different when he's in there. Just looks different. You t- you mentioned all the guys that you mentioned, one through, you know, whatever, until you got to Belly in the – where was he, fifth or sixth tonight? Sixth tonight, fifth, yeah. Sixth tonight. So one through five until him and then Morrell. Um, lineup looks totally different. Now you're just thinking about eight, nine being holes. Um, which, you know, important spots. Nonetheless, Madrigal's been pretty decent, though, um, for the most part. So, really, you're just looking at one spot. <laughs> Every night, it kind of flip-flops of who that is um, in the nine hole. But, dude, so good to see him back. Obviously, the the, the at-bats look good tonight. Um, you know, he had that double. He looks like, and yeah, like you said, they didn't need to see much from him. <laughs> um are you healthy? Okay, get your ass up here. <laughs> we need you. Get get to Chicago, bud. <laughs> yeah, and that, and that kind of tells me something too, right? And either it's one of two things. It's it's either they need him to to play and produce and perform before this trade deadline. That's the negative side, or like pessimism side. Mm-hmm. Now, on the positive side, optimistic way of thinking is. And it could also be negative, too, if we're being honest. This team needed a boost. They needed more offense. So get your ass up here because we believe we can win this year <laughs> and do yep. something and maybe even make the playoffs. I mean, just his insertion in the lineup alone, um, they, they've been talking a lot about how tense Matt Mervis is and in, or intense he is and getting down on himself a little bit and stuff like that. Belly's a pro. Like, this guy has been through the ringer. He's been through ups and downs and struggles and injuries all before. So getting him back, I, it's just probably a little bit more of a loose feeling right now than yeah. you have somebody with Matt Mervis who's in a developmental phase and just, like, praying to God, like, hey, I hope I'm good enough right now, kind of doubting himself at the moment. At least I don't think that's him. He's just eager to get back. What's up, boys? Let's go. Let's roll. You know, that's how I'm kind of thinking about this. But um, super, super cool to see him back, obviously. I, I do really like watching him play defense and center, though. So I'm like, I know Talkman's been really good out there. But I'm just like, I, I, I thought it was beautiful watching him in center field, too. So it's a good problem to have, though, with the way that the lineup's kind of – I mean, you talked about having a 400 on base percentage or morale never being close to that. Talk about a guy who's got a 400 on base draft. 414, Mike Talkman, center fielder. Who would have predicted that? Not me. <laughs> like, Not me. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been incredible, man. It's just another guy that 
has come up and done his job for this team, and and you certainly love to see it. He's not slugging, but he's doing exactly what you want out of a guy that right now is hitting at the top of that order, and that's just money ball at its finest. Why do we like him? Because he gets on base, uh, and Mike Talkman is taking care of business. Joey, let's get some of the comments here uh, before we kind of start to wind down and look ahead to that Orioles series that's coming up. First off, Tony the Blind One. Sup, fellas? Sup, sir? How are you? What up? Scott asks, what if the Cubs traded for Nolan Arenado? I think if we asked that question again back in 2017, it might have been valid. Now, uh, keep him away from me. Um, but Brad dropped this earlier in the comments, and I wanted to get get your take on it as well. He says, what's your take on what happens to Stroman? Are the Cubs waiting to see where if they're still in it before the deadline? And I completely agree. I think that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. I think because when the Strowman tweet came out, they were what seven and a half games out of out of first place in the NL Central, and it looked kind of bleak. They had a really bad road trip, and people were like, "What's going on?" Now, all of a sudden, it took one series, and this team is back in the hunt because this team has played fucking terrible or pardon me, this division has played fucking terrible. And the Cubs are, are creeping their way back into this thing. Again, three and a half games out of first in the NL Central after tonight's win. This is this is key. I, I, I really think they need I, – I still – I'm going to die on this hill that Stroman needs to be extended and should be a Cub because, unfortunately, yes, I understand there's a lot of really good punching prospects that the Cubs have, Outside of maybe Ben Brown, I do not think there's a single guy right now that will be ready next season to step in as a starting pitcher in the rotation. Period. That's just how I see it. I think Wicks needs another year. I I think, you know, obviously Cade Horton's still probably at least two years away. Jackson Ferris is probably three to four years away. You know, and that's just in your top ten. Hayden Wesneski clearly has things he needs to work on. There are a lot of what ifs with these Cubs prospects, or they're just far away and need more time to develop. Ben Brown right now is the only one I can confidently sit here and say I think he can come up next year and be a quality level major league starting pitcher in this rotation. Kyle Hendricks is a free agent after this season. So immediately you only have three rotation spots filled if you do trade Strowman. You have Smiley, who's under contract, you have Steele, obviously, and then you have Tyon. That's it. So Brent Brown takes one of those spots, maybe. What do you do? Bring back Kyle Hendricks on a cheap deal and you pray to God it works? Or do you go all in, balls to the walls for a guy like Shohei? I don't if the Cubs aren't willing to pay Strowman, why do I think they're gonna pay for what Shohei's gonna cost? I don't think that. You can't say I, it confidently, right? You can't no, say it confidently. Hell no. <laughs> if they're not if they're not interested in talking to a guy like Marcus Stroman, who clearly wants to be here and I don't think is going to try to break the bank with this Cubs team, not like they can't fucking afford it because they have no massive contracts on their team that are long-term by any stretch outside of Dansby Swanson. This team could afford keeping him and still taking a run at Shohei if they really wanted to. The problem is, is they operate now all of a sudden like a fucking, you know, Cleveland Guardians level ball club and just don't want to pay guys. Stroman's going to age well. If he wants an eight-year mm-hmm. contract, I get you not wanting to give him eight years. But if he's willing to take another three-year deal with maybe a fourth-year player option, fucking do it. He's going to age well enough where by age 35, 36, he's still going to be a quality major league starter. They just I, – I think if, if they if they ship him at the deadline, this excitement we've had after this Pittsburgh Pirates sweep was all for naught. It was just false excitement. How many fake rallies have we seen out of this Cubs team in the last three years? Too Remember many. That? that, to me, that is a that is a fa- that is false hope. This is point. a fake rally? Is that what you're, So we're going negative again, Rod. Is that what yes. we're doing tonight? We're, we're going to get a little negative because Brad flipped my switch, and I'm very <laughs> touchy on the Marcus Stroman subject right now. This right now, to me, is where I think the Cubs are. I think having Stroman around is more beneficial because Smiley, I believe, has two years after this one. Again, Hendricks gone. Tyone, obviously, three years after this one. And you still have Steele. But, <laughs> no, it's okay, Brad. It's it's not your bad. I, it's, a, it's a valid question to ask right now because Stroman, again, goes out and puts us his 13th quality start of the season, which is by far more than any pitcher in the major leagues. I just – I think it's blasphemy. What? Okay. Blasphemy 
Can, can I ask you a question? I know we're not to the end of the year yet, and I think this is part of the Cubs game is they're waiting out to see what his overall value will become once Fair. his numbers, if his numbers come down. But and that, that's just my opinion. If they're winning, even so, if they're losing, I agree with you. I think they are waiting for that. I think, but what would you feel comfortable with at this moment in time and maybe even expecting a little bit of regression? Because like you said, even after tonight, great outing, ERA went up just a slight tick last time. Great outing or good outing. ERA went up just a slight tick, right? It's kind of happening now because he's pitched so damn well that like every time, no matter if it's two runs, it's, it seems like it's going to go up just a little bit, but or two or three runs. But like, so what would you feel comfortable paying on a year basis? And I still, I, I do have some kind of thoughts on the situation after, but I, I'm curious to what you're thinking here. Yeah, I and and I, I'm gonna spark this off of something that Tony says. I love the bud. It feels like so passive aggressive, but I enjoy it right now. He says, "I know you love Strowman, bud, but if it comes out and says he wants 35 a year, I'm sorry, I don't think he's worth that, or he'll ever be worth that." My, uh, he's pitching like an ace right now, though, so that's why. That's yeah. why. That's why I'm asking. I'm not. I'm not asking. You like can, I have an idea can, in my head. No, I I know, but like, look at the going rate right now for starting pitchers that are in their late 30s. Right, it's, you it, can, dude. You Scherzer, Degrom, yeah. like these guys can, got paid, and Degrom has injuries, and he right. just got hurt. And you Again. could make you could make the argument that Verlander and Scherzer, despite being obviously Hall of Famers, could fall off at any moment. We saw it with John Lester. You know what I mean? We saw. I know you're not. I, I just I need to get fired up, Tony. I'm just trying to fire <laughs> myself up. He's like, it's not passive. That's I assure you. I know. Um, Ron's Ron's touchy about this subject. We, we yeah. I, I am touchy about this subject. I, I I think, and I know they're I know they're first ballot Hall of Famers. I get that, but again, John Lester's a first ballot Hall of Famer in my opinion too. And we saw that that flips that switch flip in 2018, where all of a sudden he did not look like the same pitcher again. Mm-hmm. He and he also wasn't. Like, he also wasn't a big K guy. Like that's no. what Strowman's not a big K guy. Do you no. do you really have to be? Any you don't have to be to be no. I have a really good career and potentially all of Hamer. Like you don't. I I think, and here's the thing too. I don't think Strowman asks for 35 a year because I truly believe he wants to stay in Chicago. He likes pitching here. He has an elite defense behind him that makes his ground ball pitching look really fucking good. I think a very realistic and fair number is a three-year $90 million deal. He gets 30 per year. And you give him a player option for maybe 25 in that fourth year. That way, if he is still pitching, you know, if he's pitching well or not, you know, you can stomach that number. You're the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Just fuck up and fucking pay some people, would you? I think they can absolutely get it done at $30 million a year, and I don't think that's psychotic for a guy right now that, as Scott noted earlier in the show, could very well be starting the All-Star game this year for the National League. Yeah, that's just, right. And you don't, again, and who's who's got to get – Who's got to get paid? Yeah, and he says just what three years ninety. Right. Three years ninety. I think three years ninety is a sweet spot for both sides. I think that makes too much sense. I think he likes that idea of being here for another three years. I think the Cubs like that idea because even at three years, he's not blocking a Jackson Ferris. I don't think he's blocking a Cade Horton at that point. He's still going to give you good innings even in that third year of that of that deal. Mm-hmm. I just think. The Cubs just being willing to give away him is either a having way too much faith in your prospects who again are still prospects. You cannot just sit here and bank on them. Like I think, and this is not a shot at any specific Cubs fan, but I think the general collective, we as Cubs fans, because we were so spoiled with the 2015 through 17 Cubs and all of those prospects working out. I think everybody just assumes now that these Cubs prospects are going to work. They're not because if you recall as you and I have watched time and time again, Joey Ricotta, for every for every Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant, there's Brett Jackson and Josh Vitters. Right. Right. So it's it's one of those things. <laughs> and even where, Rich Hill before he turned in the South Korea, yeah, right? Rich, like, Rich Hill was a big time prospect and did not really hit his stride until he left Chicago. So for for the Cubs, the Cubs would be very naive, is all I'm saying. To I agree. I also hate we. I try to use we as little as possible we're referring to the Cubs. They are the Cubs. 
the Cubs. Uh, that's 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 an opinion, though. I I, I sometimes say we, and I I never hate when somebody says that. I, it doesn't I bother try, me. I get I it. I try though. not to say it because I try to take the the mindset of I have no yeah. investment. Literally We're not playing, in the Cubs. right? Or or a part of the front office, etc. Nonetheless. I, you got to keep them. And hey, maybe them, like you said, maybe them not wanting to talk extension right now is truly just let's see how the year plays out and then we'll come back to the table in the offseason. If that's how they want to approach it, fine. I can live with that. I don't need the the July, you know, 15th extension, you know, tweet that Marcus Strobus is going to be here for another three years after this. I just is my only concern with the whole Strowman contract situation is. A, I think especially now that you've gained ground in the NL Central, the team, the division's so bad this year. This Cubs team can win this division. I'm sorry, they can. I know they're a flawed ball club, but this division is just as bad. But if you trade him at the deadline, to me that that just tells the fan base you are punting on another year because I don't think 2024 then is a competitive year. Truthfully. The only way it becomes a competitive year is if you make that you you replace that. And you succeed replacing that mm-hmm. because you can't just replace that. You have to do better. You have to replace and then do better. And how to, I, I just don't, I think you're right, man. Like I'm, I'm to the point and I kind of, now that we've been talking about this, I guess in my head, I have like, I'm thinking like 32 million. I'd still, I'd be okay with like 32 million a year. I think yeah, in my head is like, fine, do it. You know what I mean? Um, now the other the other side of that, or what I was, I've actually had this conversation. I had this conversation this last Sunday at my own game, uh, where I can say we because I played in the game. Um, <laughs> me, me and my buddy Mitch, which you've you've met Mitch, yep. Yep. Um, you know he's another another Cubs ticket holder here. Um, but we had this conversation in the dugout about about Stroman and using it as his leverage. Now I do think. Just look at the timing of this, of the the tweet that he sent that the Cubs were losing, like you were saying. The Cubs have also been pretty open, or maybe not open is the right word, but pretty, like we're not having conversations and talks during the season for the most part. Some of that was players in the past that were saying, I don't want to talk during the season too. Um, So it's not necessarily that they won't do it during the season. We have seen them do it too. Um, But – I just think right now with where they're at, of course, they're kind of waiting it out. And Stroman probably really does want to get that extension. But at the same time, let's be honest, he knows he is dominating right now. And the guy's looking to cash in, right? So, like, if we're talking regression, a little bit of regression happening towards the the, as the season goes. And I'm not saying that he's going to be terrible, be bad. I think he's still going to be really fucking good. Sure. but maybe that affects a few dollars, right? So sure. I think this is definitely Marcus Stroman playing his leverage and opening to the fan base because then, as me and Mitch talked about, the fan base is pissed at the front office. It mm-hmm. forces their hand. Now they have to sign. They have to do what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And I do think they should do it. But I'm also kind of like, hey, don't. Don't pay at the premium. Like I'm so I'm kind of there's double sided with me on sure. that. Um and I but I think that's a very fair point. Really, like truthfully, I think that's a very fair point. Because I think also Strowman identifies the fact that he is well loved in this fan base. And mm-hmm. I but but at the same time truly does love this organization. Sure. And it is kind of playing like the okay, let's see if we can get something done now, especially while I'm pitching this well. You know, maybe that does help us get a couple extra bucks. I, I just think they need to just figure it out is and, more or less where I'm at. Yeah, no, they do need to figure it out. I mean, whether it be now, whether it be some sort of talk to him like, hey, we're not going to do it right this second, but we definitely want you here. Like there needs to be the conversations at least, and I hope behind the scenes that since that comment has came out that there has been some of that. Uh, I would assume there has been because they're not going to just let it stir and just blow up into a fire. I don't think this front office is that that stupid. I could be wrong. They've they've proven to be kind of stupid in others <laughs> with other things as well. So like I'm not saying that they're not stupid when it comes to this, but um, 
I had a thought there, Ron, and I kind of, <laughs> I just lost like midway what I was going to say. Oh, I think when we were talking about him liking the organization, he's said repeatedly how much he likes. Uh, he It seems like he mentions this after every start. He definitely said tonight how much he likes dialing in between innings and throughout the game with Moscos and with Tommy Hadovy. Like those guys get him back on track. They work through th things. He's talking about mechanics and fundamentals. And I, I don't know, maybe I just didn't listen close enough to his other, how he was talking about his other coaching staffs. So he could have been saying that with other teams as well. And I'm sure he had good relationships there too within coaches. Um, but it does, from to me, seem like he really does believe in the system they have in place mm -hmm. uh, from a coaching and player developmental and working together kind of gel uh, sense because he does like the catching that, yeah. that he's getting too. So um, I think he does want to be here. I truly think he wants to be here, and I'm with you, Ron. I want him here too, especially after a night like tonight, and he's been shit-pumping all season. He should be a Cub for – I would say three the next three to five years, I hope. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. Joey, I want to turn it back over to you one more time before we uh, focus our efforts and thoughts on Baltimore. Uh, any final thoughts from uh, this game and, and this series? Wow, way to prove me wrong after the first game of the series. I am so glad you did it. Thank you, Cubs, for doing that. Um, it's just – it's nice because we're three and a half games back. Those are really – the final thoughts are let's we're getting back on track. I shouldn't say let's. If you're not gonna say we, let's not say let's. It's not us. Um, yeah, I'm just just keep it moving. You got a good team in Baltimore coming in Friday. Don't underestimate Cole Irvin just by looking at his ERA. Oh, wait, we didn't even look ahead yet. Sorry. We, that was final thoughts in the series, Ron. We're done with the series. Great series. Way to get the sweep. The sweep. Very nice. The sweep, love the sweep, love the sweep, as, as Juice would say here on the show. Agreed with you, man. It's just it, it was just good to see, A, this Cubs team finish a series like that and not let this Pirates team get a cheap win tonight. You got good pitching the whole series. We saw a good start out of Tyone on, on Tuesday, uh, a great start yesterday from Smiley where he had a battle through some adversity, but he made it work. Um, and, and then obviously each throw kind of the cherry on top. Tonight uh, was a really good way to cap it off. I'm right there with you, man. Keep this momentum rolling. Uh, the Cubs are looking good right now, and we would love to see them keep this rolling into the weekend uh, because, as we noted, the Baltimore Orioles come to town. Uh, very good Baltimore Orioles team, too. This is not your uh, your old Baltimore Orioles of the last 10 years. This is a good Orioles team. They're second in the AL East right now with a 43-25 and 25 record. Um, this is a beautiful 120 start on Friday at Wrigley Field. All of these are 120 starts, I believe, except for Sunday. I believe Sunday is a 12.05. Yes, confirmed. It is a 12.05 start on Sunday. Don't ask me why it is, but it is. Um, so if you are going to the ballpark and you think it's a 120 start on Sunday, it's an hour and 15 minutes earlier, so be sure to be at the ballpark on time. Um, but one thing I wanted to bring as we start to get into this preview here was a, one of Scott's comments from earlier in the show. He says, oh, he's calling boy. it now. The Cubs are going to sweep the O's next. Stroh just tweeted, the, pro the professor tomorrow and Steele on Saturday. It says TBD on MLB.com, but that was my thought the whole week was that's when they're projecting steel to return. Yeah. Um, and he says, I don't care who pitches Sunday. Sunday will be Jamison Tyone. Uh, we won't be back again until after Sunday's game. Uh, that'll be the next time that you hear from us here. Cubs on tap. We'll be off tomorrow and Saturday. Um, so Joey overall, just full thoughts on this, this series as a whole. Um, and it, maybe you want to start there with uh, not underestimating a guy like Cole Irvine. Yeah, well, before I do that, because I waited this entire episode to pull this out, and I didn't mean to. The, the beer's getting kind of warm here at this point. It's still a little bit cold, but the adult beverage needs to be cracked. Hashtag crack them. Hashtag crack them. I'm drinking a bleacher bum peach blonde ale. Ron, you said this is really good. It is. I've never had this before. Um, it is from Spiteful, Spiteful Brewing. Yeah. Good old local Chicago brewery. <sighs> And I should have probably tried this before, but oh, this is good. It is good. It is good. It's the perfect Live summer review. Beer. Perfect summer beer, my friend. I I, <sighs> I scoop those up from uh, from Benny's all the time here in the uh, Chicagoland area. They're they're tasty. They're a good time. You'll uh, you'll enjoy that one the rest of the night, man. I'm not even gonna be spiteful about it. They are tasty. 
Um, <laughs> I I like this man. I I think, uh, but that was for the win. That was for the series sweep. Had to crack one. Um, yeah, talking about this series though, I think the, I, I like Tony's comment here about saying they're my East Coast team. Uh, they're kind of my adopted AL team at this point. I really have liked the Orioles, uh, and you know this because before the season, there was one team I said I really wanted to see live. And that was Baltimore. And it was Baltimore. So tomorrow, unfortunately, I will not be able to make the game because of work, but um, I will be there Saturday. Nice. Sunday, and I'm hoping I run to Tyler. He, I'm pretty sure he'll be there as well. So we'll have a little, little mini Cubs on tap reunion. I might have to try to talk you into going. I was trying to talk Juice into it too, but um, I don't know. I don't know where I forget what he said he was doing. I'm, um, uh, I am unfortunately a no go for Saturday. I, I have uh, obligations at home that I need to take care of. Otherwise, I would happily go to the ball game. Well, now we got next mission. We're talking Nick into it. <laughs> calling him up. Yep, Somebody's got to get down there. Everybody was supposed to come. For We didn't even plan this. But, um, no, man, I'm excited to watch Baltimore because, like I said, I, I just really have always – I've been really following their prospects as they've come up, and I, I like Adley Rushman, um, Gunnar Henderson. Like, there's a lot of guys that I, I do like in their system. Uh, so, um, so, excited for this one. Uh, but like Cole Irvin Friday, you look at his ERA, it's a monster atrocious ERA, right? But the guy pitched, it's terrible. And, but he pitched three, I think he had three starts in April and then they demoted him Pitched, I think he was pitching pretty damn well, uh, in the minors. And then the last time out, I believe it was against the Royals, uh, five plus innings, only one run allowed, like maybe figured some stuff out and he's, done pretty decent stuff over his career in Oakland. Um, he can at least have spurts where he's pretty good. So I don't want the Cubs to get big headed here. Not that they have any right to be big headed at with what their record is um, even after a sweep though, but just don't go into this game. This is first game of the series, a little overconfident and riding a little too high. Like come out there. Like ben Ross was saying after the game, focus plate approach, focused at bats, Take care of business. Hopefully the professor is as magnificent and vintage as we saw him last time. Um, and if that's the case, you're going to start out 1-0 in the series, man. That's that's what's going to happen against this team, even Absolutely. though it's a good team. Absolutely. I'm right there with you, man. And, yeah, like you said, Irvin and Hendricks go on Friday. Uh, Saturday's game will be Gibson versus Steele. And then Sunday will be Kremer versus Tyone. So really good pitching matchups, I think, throughout this entire series over the course of the weekend. Uh, it'll be good to see our boy, Mr. Justin Steele, get back into the swing of things. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to see the big bulldog lefty get back out there with that, you know, Mississippi Southern fastball. Uh, it's 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 going to be a good time. Yeah, just keep, again, like we said earlier, keep the momentum going. It's a good team, but we've seen this Cubs team do this before, especially under David Ross. They, they get really good at playing up to their competition sometimes. And it feels like they might have found their stride. Again, they played up to Pittsburgh, who's had a very good start to their year. Mm -hmm. I think this is a perfect opportunity to really test how good of a Cubs team they are against a very good Baltimore Orioles team. Like, this is the series to do it. If you come away and you're the Cubs and you come away with two out of three in this series – that's huge. That is absolutely massive in terms of momentum because you carry that into another three with Pittsburgh next week. And then you go sail over the pond and see our friends over at UK Cubs for two games against the shitbag Cardinals. So momentum, momentum's real in sports. Carry it over from this Pirate series to that Orioles series. And I'm right there with you, man. I hope I hope the professor is just as splendid as he was in, in uh, class last Saturday. Uh, I think he'll give another great lecture on a Friday afternoon. Joey, before we get out of here, I do want to remind everybody, Cubs on Tap, one of two Cubs podcasts here at On Tap Sportsnet. Follow our friends over at the Dingers podcast. They are at Dinger Cubs on Twitter and Instagram. Mitch, Jake, Jeff, and Kevin do a great job, and the boys are entertaining. They will be live uh, this coming Monday. Uh, again, every Monday between 8 and 8.30, they go live right here on the On Tap Sportsnet YouTube page. And if you're not subscribed already, be sure to do so. Hit that little bell button as well, and you'll always know when any of our shows 
go live. Be sure to be following us as well at Cubbies on Tap, C-U-B-I-S on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Loose on Tap on the Bluebird app. He's at Joey Knows Nothing, at Juice on Tap, at Nick underscore on Tap, at Teddy Freddy 270, at Bulls Guy Rob. Uh, follow the whole Cubs on Tap contribution group um, as well. We got everything. Bears, Bulls, Blackhawks. You guys know the drill. Golf. Joey, you've been carrying it. You and Jack having an absolute heater of a season, too. Great thank golf you, insight, you. great bet insight. Uh, be sure to tune into that if you are a big golf fan. Um, I know I try to tune in. Interjection. Which, oh, no. Which, by the way, our boy that me and Jack are both on for the U.S. Open is top of the leaderboard, tied up right now. So Xander, X going to give it to you. So we're feeling good right now. We're feeling real good, Ron. Yeah, and exactly. And people would know that. Be sure to be following along with the written content for golf that Jack puts out, as well as the great show that you and Jack put on over at On Tap Golf uh, that you can also find right here on the YouTube page. And again, Cubs fans, you know the drill. We all have friends that like the Southsiders. Send your friends to our friends over at Socks On Tap, and they do a great job covering the Southsiders. OnTapSportsNet.com at OnTapSportsNet on social media, the OnTap Sports Network. Go ahead and check out what's on tap in Chicago sports. We wish everybody a great weekend. No better way uh, to get into the weekend. The weekend weekend starts on Thursdays here at OnTap Sportsnet, uh, and the Cubs start the weekend with a beautiful sweep of the Pirates. Uh, and they got an excellent opportunity to make some noise against the Orioles this weekend. Look out for Joey at the ballpark if you're going to be out there on Saturday. Say hello. Uh, maybe he'll buy you a beer if he's feeling generous. Um, yeah, maybe. Shoot maybe. the shit. Yeah, shoot the shit Just, and have a conversation. Joey will talk your ear off for four and a half innings, I promise. <laughs> so if you want a, a good long conversation, go find Joey. Uh, and there will be nothing short of, uh, of, of baseball <laughs> content to discuss. Um, but my friend, what do you say? We get out of here the only way we know how? At Cubs on tap? Bleach your bums, baby. Let's go. It's good to be back home. It is great to be back home. It's nice to have a sweep. And fuck the Cardinals. And fuck the Pirates tonight too, bud. And let's go Cubbies.